When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Brought to you by North Memorial Health, where customers are treated like family. That means a big smile when you walk in the door and making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. Just like your family treats you, find your health family at NorthMemorial.com slash family. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. It's an important game for us, for sure. Um, being able to go on the road and beat a good team is, is, is important for us. We, you know, but for us to do that, it's not about that. It's you know, we got to control the clock. We got to not turn the ball over. We got to be efficient with, with all the different things. You know, there's a lot that goes into it that we what we have to do in order to uh, beat a team like this. That was Mike Zimmer there, Purple Daily, Matthew Collar for the first hour, Brian Murphy. Hour number two will be Myron Metcalf of ESPN. And uh, we will have Eric Eager for Pro Football Focus to help us preview Vikings and Cowboys. And then Daniel House, who covers the Gophers for us at Score North. He's going to join Myron and I at 3.30. So a lot going on, on the show today. It is a exciting weekend. Murph, tell me something. Yeah, because you're like, um, even when you were just a pure columnist, you're like that hard ass sort of columnist. You're like, I have no feelings. I'll take anybody to task. That kind of guy. <sighs> I'm an old man. Yeah. I don't care anymore. Right, right, right. But uh, when it came to games that were big and exciting, mm-hmm. would you get anxious or were you just like, I've seen this all before? No, I used to cover I'm the not cops. that. I no, I wasn't that <laughs> beat down and cynical. I love big games. You can't if you don't like big games, you got to get out of the industry. I mean, big games are. Are what it's about. Uh, I, 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 are we leading up to this game as being a big game? I mean, it's a big game, but I, I don't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't get chills for this one. No, really, eh, not really. This is big. I think the Gophers game. I would. I'd like to see that. Well, that was that was where I was going to go with it. Is that we're going to cover some Gophers today because this have to. weekend is very exciting for just Minnesota football with the Gophers tomorrow and then the Vikings on Sunday night football. I mean, this is about as good as it gets if you are a Minnesota football fan, which almost everyone is, to have a huge game against Penn State and then a huge game against the Cowboys. And I have been anxious all week waiting for this to get here. Really? Yeah. You're, that, you're still, the, you're still oh, that kind of guy. Oh, well, yeah, that, it definitely I, I kind of envy you then a yeah. little bit. I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious. Let's put it that way, which makes a good journalist, right? I, I am curious to see how the Gophers respond to their moment tomorrow. The Vikings, they play a big game all the time, it seems like. I mean, granted, it's a nationally televised game against a marquee opponent. Plenty at stake. I get it. But it's still week 10. Mm. I mean, it's still not determining fates here yet. Um, 
We're not in the postseason. Isn't it though? I don't know. Isn't I covered it, a lot. Murph? What's it determining? Oh, I think it's determining fates. A lot. You well, think it's determining? I think it's fates? determining fates. All right, let me make the case here. That Six it's and four is not fates. fatal. Not quite. But whichever coach loses this game, we start conversations about hot seat. I think. Oh come on! Yes, this is real. And then whichever maybe team, Garrett, I, which, I Zimmer, not yet. I think you do because you Zimmer lost. makes the playoffs. He's fine. If he makes the playoffs, but the reason why things start to get hot is because of what your potential route to the playoffs would look like if you lost. This becomes a lot more challenging because you still have to go to Seattle. You've still got Green Bay coming in. And when you look around the NFC, there are plenty of contenders who would be right in your ballpark. Just two weeks ago, you felt like you had your head above their water, and then you'd be dropped right back into where they were. Now, if you go 7-3, and three, then you still feel like one of those teams that is sailing high, and, and you can not exactly put it on cruise control, but just do what you got to do. You can just be 500 the rest of the way, and you'll still get in. But if you lose, then it's huge, huge pressure to not botch it against Denver, which we have seen them mm, lose games like mm-hmm. that before. Buffalo. Then we have the, the Seattle game coming up. Aaron Rodgers is coming to town again, and Kirk Cousins is 0-3 for 3 against Chicago. And even if we think they're bad, he still can't seem to beat them. So I think the pressure is ratcheted up big time, on Mike Zimmer and the Vikings if they come short in this game. And if Kirk Cousins does not perform at that stadium under those bright lights in primetime, then that narrative about him that mm-hmm. he can't win mm-hmm. big games against good teams is just going to be pushed up even farther. Okay, so this is what has you excited then for this game because you feel like there's going to be drama if they lose. Uh, if they win, it just kind of keeps the ball rolling a bit. I just think there's... I don't know. I guess I'm not as excited for that because I've I just haven't seen teams' fates that are, have winning records determined yet in week ten. No, not yet exactly, but it's a little bit of domino effect for this one. Okay. If you win this game, then you're going into next week thinking I've never even heard of Brandon Allen. Mike Zimmer's defense will take care of that, and then you could be eight and three and feel like a Super Bowl contender. You could be looking around going eight and three. We're a Why damn good team. But then you still got to go to Seattle. You still got Aaron Rodgers coming in. Yeah. I, it doesn't. I, 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 oh, I, I think it. Cha- I think it changes the field big time because. The, with, so if they go on to win the Super Bowl, we're going to be talking about the Week Ten game in Dallas that they won as the turning point. I'll tell you why. The, I'll tell you why we might. Okay. Why we might is because that would be Cousins proving that he could go under the bright lights and on the big stage in Jerry World and beat Dak Prescott. I don't and think beat a good defense. I, I, I think it's going to be the defense of the Vikings that determines whether they win this game anyway. So he may just hand the ball off and get out of the way as he had in previous weeks. Even so, at this moment, you don't and I don't, and no fan has any evidence to suggest that this team can take on other playoff teams and beat them, right? So this would give us, and everyone in that locker room, who, by the way, is, I'm sure, quite aware that over the last two years with Kirk Cousins, they haven't really beaten anybody who was worth beating, and that they fell apart last year. They had something like 80 or 85% odds to make the playoffs at one point, and then fell apart, lost in Week 17 to a team that didn't play their starters for a big portion of the second half, right? Like, they know what's happened recently. And for them to believe that they can actually win these big games... 
especially since they're 0-3 in big games so far this year, I think. I mean, it depends on what you think of the Philly game, which is a, a decent win. Now the Oakland one looks a little better since Oakland's played pretty good lately and got that win last night. But in terms of a win that actually makes you believe you can go somewhere, this is the one that you need, I think. Is there a punctuation mark in there somewhere? <laughs> Sorry. No, I I agree. Yes, I agree that this is... This Thomas? is a, a big game. I don't believe it's a fate determining game. That's just that's just the cynic in me. All right. Okay. So, you so think, I'm sorry to rain on your you, parade. You I do, and if, I think you want them. I kind of think you want to see them lose because you think it'll be a little more interesting next week. Um. Well, hot seat so, no. drama. You know, more more Kirk can't do it. Narrative. I can always see it either way. I can always okay. look at it either way. It doesn't matter. I am here from two to four, no matter what. So it doesn't make much <laughs> difference to me. But. I think if they lose in terms of our intrigue, um, yeah, it's people tweeting me nonstop mm-hmm. the entire week that they need to trade Kirk Cousins next yeah, year offseason. It's not going to happen, though. So why does that even? Why do people waste their time I mean, and energy with that? I, I think that's the feeling, though. If they lose this mm-hmm. game, it's it's a good question, actually. What's the feeling if they win versus what's the feeling if they lose? I think the feeling if they win is wow. Maybe they actually can win a game like this that's hard. And if they lose, it's here we go again, same old Kirk. Who are the quarterbacks in the draft? This week on our web clicks and stuff, there was very little action because this fan base, I think, is always just ready and primed to give up on Kirk and this team. That's been the feeling that every loss that they have is this team can't do it. They can't win a big game. They can't win with Kirk. They're going to go 8-8 and... That's our fate. That's been the feeling after every single loss. And I think a win here, you would have actually a good argument to say, well, they can go beat someone. Right, but I I just think their defense is going to win this game for them. I think how their defense performs uh, against Elliott, I think if they can shut down Prescott, it's a pretty prolific offense. Uh, I think Cousins is just going to have to hand the ball off, complete his checkdowns and get the hell out of the way and not turn the ball over. I think that's how they're going to win this. Man, I, I think anytime we talk about Cousins becoming like Gus Farratt or something, you know, it, it just, I don't know what to do with it because it's been my saying, I guess, throughout the year. Of course he's getting paid to should, not be Gus Farratt. Right, but that's how we talk about him. We talk about him like he's Matt Moore. We're lowering the bar. Right, we have, like, I'm, I'm all with well, that. Well, throw it short and don't make, don't mess anything up. I look at it the exact opposite way. I've said lean into the Kirk because <laughs> he's not going to change. And when you try to limit things around him, we saw last year that he'll still do the same bad things. You just won't get the good parts. The good parts are he can huck it. And he can throw that ball down the field accurately and successfully when they give him a chance to and when he's got open receivers down the field. And I think I want to see him take more chances and take more shots than I want to see him throw a bunch of swing passes. That's fair. That's fair. I get that. But I don't think they're going to need that this week. So Why do you think that? I mean, this is an offense that is ranked really high. Yes. The Vikings are missing Linval Joseph. Yeah, they are missing Linval. They have one cornerback who is questionable, Trey Waynes, but he's been questionable all year. Get it? Boom. Got him. (laughs) Roasted. Um, But, I mean, maybe if he doesn't play, Mike Hughes plays and you upgrade, but the corners have not been very good. Do you think they will pull the trigger on that with Hughes? No, I don't. Uh, The Zimmer loyalty has been very high, and it might be one of his great strengths and his great weaknesses blind spot <clears throat> i think so that the way xavier Rhodes and trey waynes have played so far this year have been 
worthy of a benching. And yet, I don't think he would ever bench either one of those two guys because he's raised them, that he's he's brought them along, wouldn't you say? Yeah, they are his guys. They are his, um, that's his position group. But he's also been the hardest on them as well, very publicly. Yeah. uh, Both publicly at the podium and in front of the cameras on the bench. He's not afraid to uh, dress down his secondary. Um, Prescott. What do you like about De- Dak Prescott the real, most? Real quick, Amari Cooper's questionable for that this game. That just uh, came out. Okay. And uh, that is a big swing. If he plays, they're in really good shape because he's a big part of their offense. If he doesn't, that's going to be really tough. I will tell you what I like about Dak Prescott is that he wins a lot of football games. And that might sound silly, but I like to start with win-loss record when I look at quarterbacks and then work backwards. Um, some... Numbers people will say don't ever look at it, but then I would say, well, all the greatest quarterbacks ever statistically also have the best <laughs> win-loss records, too. Weird how that how matches that happens, up. Yeah. yeah. And with him, I like to figure out why has this guy gone 37-19 and 19 and led 14 game-winning drives so far in his young career. Somebody who could step in as a rookie and go 13-3. and three. I think that, A, there's sort of um, a playmaker sense to him like with his running ability but also on the move and things like that and his makeup and his right his makeup his leadership and they also have some good things around him now especially with cooper that offensive line is great that helps he's he's kind of a slippery one that where you think you got him but you don't and that could give the vikings some challenges if you were going to pick him or cousins which one would you pick prescott is that is that easy yeah i'm not denying that i you know, I I kind of stood up for Cousins a little bit the other day after the Kansas City game because you know he wasn't the one, of course, that <clears throat> you know gave up a uh, 140 yards and what 10 catches and three touchdowns to Tyree Kill. Um, he wasn't the one that uh, missed an extra point. He wasn't the one that shanked a punt. Um, he wasn't the one that called the plays in the final two drives. I don't know what Stefanski was smoking there. Um, <laughs> so I you know I and I haven't been a Cousins apologist or defender at all. Mm-hmm. I just thought that, you know. Piling on him for being inaccurate uh, in a game where there were there was plenty of blame to share was a little bit misguided. That being said, I don't I don't see him out playing Prescott on Sunday at all. I think this is going to have to be a game where the Vikings neutralize him at best and and hope it's an ugly win. I tend to agree. That oh, don't it has disagree. To be, no, that it has that it has to be a certain kind of win if they're going to win. So earlier on the station, I won't change how I pick the game. Because that, that would be a good strategy, though. When I appear on Ventline for a phone call, then I'll give one result and then give another one here. Be like, I was right. It'd be pretty every, diverse, every, every actually. Time. No, in, instead, I'll give you the same. I think that they'll win 21-17. I think that it will be both teams try to say, stop our running backs. And both teams have very good defenses. The defensive line of the Cowboys is excellent. But, of course, we know Hunter and uh, Everson Griffin are excellent. And even though the corners haven't been great, Everybody else has, basically, on the defense. And that's going to make life difficult for Dak Prescott. The last time he played the Vikings, he had his season low in yards in that game in, in 2016. I could see that happening again. Where I hesitate a little, and I didn't and know... And Zimmer this, wasn't even at that game, was he? No, that was, uh, he was out with the emergency eye surgery, prefer coach that one, and George Edwards called the defense. Where I hesitate now, though, is Linval Joseph being out. And and I, yikes! I mean, now you're talking great, about a big drop off. There is a big drop off. What he does in the middle obviously is unmatched. Curious about what uh, what's the speculation on what happened with him? Uh, did he get hurt in practice? 
Did this just kind of surface in the middle of the week? I don't know. I mean, you know, Zimmer, of course, was not very forthcoming at all yesterday, today. No. Um, in fact, I'm looking at his uh, transcript now. That should be uh, rather short. reading. Rather short, yeah. Required, it won't require you much time. That's what I if mean. You, if you want to read it. Uh, but he did. It's on a cocktail napkin. He did reveal that Shamar Stefan is going to play three tech and not move over to the nose, and Jaleel Johnson's going to play the nose. So thanks for that information. Uh, even though he criticized his own quarterback for Football. giving up too, he, he criticized his own quarterback for too much information, and then gives some out himself just to be a jerk. It's great. He does that every time. Yet he criticizes cousins for giving up too much information. Like that's not hypocritical. Well, this at all. is Friday. It wasn't anyway. moments after a loss, so give him that. Yeah, I guess so. I just thought it was funny for to ever hear him criticize someone else for giving up too much information when he's an open book all the time, whether it's on purpose or not. And and today, again, with that, with how's Shamar Stefan going to move over to nose tackle? Well, he's not. Like, okay, well, guess the Cowboys know who's not playing nose tackle then. Or he could just be lying. Yeah, he could be. <laughs> That's possible. Anyway, um, in terms of this being sort of ugly game, the argument against it, though, would be that Dallas, their defense is good, but they also haven't played a lot of great teams. And the Vikings have the same sort of issue with they haven't had a great win. Um, but both offenses, on the whole, are very explosive. I mean, that they rank highly in a lot of categories. And these two quarterbacks, their offensive coordinators, are getting more out of them than they have pretty much ever before right now. I mean, right now, this looks like more of an offensive game, just if you're looking at purely the statistics. The Cowboys are number one in yards per play, and mm-hmm. the Vikings are number three. Odds that it's a shootout. You not think that's happening? I don't feel that. I I just I think I see what you're saying. I mean, it it, it sets up to be that way. Uh, I just I don't like I said I don't I don't think Cousins is going to steal the spotlight on this game, and I think the Vikings are going to you know try to neutralize and do fairly well against Prescott. And Cooper's now questionable. Yeah, and that's um, that's a big one. For, he's averaging almost 17 yards a catch. Like that's huge for them. If Dak or at the, if Amari Cooper can't play. So what I texted you early this morning. My first thought when I woke up about this game was the trajectory of these two teams, where it feels like they're both teetering on. You have to get something done this year with the Cowboys or the Vikings. Which is why I said earlier that I think that the coach who loses this game gets the hot seat conversation on ESPN when they do their Monday overreactions. That they're saying, is Mike Zimmer or is Jason Garrett going to get fired now that they lost this game and they've dropped back in the playoff race? Um, Which one of these teams would you rather be right now? Would you rather be this year going forward, Dallas or the Vikings? And then how about like three-year plan? Would you rather be Dallas or the Vikings? You're going to throw that in my life? First of all, for the record, by the way, your early morning text was 11.56 a.m. Just want to put that Make out sure there. Make sure you were up and around. <laughs> uh, just want to make sure that... I don't know what you do these days, Murph. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I was up quite a bit earlier. Okay, all right. Uh, well, just making sure. It was dark out. Better safe up. than starry. Just, you know... Uh, I don't know about three years out, okay? That's just too much for me to to handle right now. I don't have the bandwidth to look that far ahead uh, or break down anything. But as of right now, this season, I'd I'd rather be the Cowboys right now. I'd rather have Dak Prescott in my arsenal right now. That is what every conversation about the Vikings, whether it's one year or three years, comes down to is just how much you believe in Kirk Cousins. And 
I think that your feeling is the one of the fan base, and I also wonder if it's one of the coaching staff and the front office that there is a high level of anxiousness about Cousins that it's just going to be like this forever. All the time. Right. I don't, you're right. It's never going to change. I don't see any resolution. Uh, he put together four good, productive starts against average teams that resolved nothing. And, Correct. I, it, and below here, here average defensively for those teams. Yeah. If not extremely poor. And, I mean, he lit them up like a Christmas tree, but it's kind of been his history to be able to light up bad teams and be slowed down by the good teams. And I don't think I've ever seen a player more consistent with that, right? More predictable when it comes to he's good against the bad and he's bad against the good. And that is the line you can draw right down the middle. The primetime record has the most to do with who he played more than he doesn't like nighttime or something. No, it has nothing to do with the time of the game. It's just the stakes. And I think also... I, I'm going to be, you know, if they lose this week, fine. They're six and four. I'm not lighting the torch under Zimmer's seat yet. They should take care of Denver. The Seattle game that seems to be more intriguing. I like the matchup with Wilson as well. I like mm-hmm. to see where you know that win in Seattle, winning in Seattle. If he were able to do that, then I would say then you've got yourself a defining moment. I mean, if he can do, if he can win both games, oh, then well, that's a, com- that's a, a complete, I know, and both teams are very beatable, but that's a complete change potentially on how we view the chances for this team to go anywhere in yes. the playoffs if he wins both of these games. And the pressure on the Seattle game would ramp up way more if he can't win this one. If he does win this one, uh, you could almost lose that game in Seattle and survive Call that. it a wash. Yeah, survive that. But what makes this one the most... Uh, intriguing for me is that the quarterbacks are fairly similar. I mean, not exactly from how they play, of course, because Prescott is uh, a much better runner, has something like 21 rushing touchdowns in his career. That's way different than what Kirk does. But just from how people describe them, and yeah, Prescott has that winner gene to him in the fourth quarter comebacks. He's led the league two out of his three years in game-winning drives, I think, and fourth quarter comebacks. So he's got that more than Kirk has that. Um, But if you're ranking your quarterbacks, if I said, who do you want for the next three years? You're going to start with, well, Mahomes, Watson, Wilson. Maybe if you believe Rodgers is still good, you're going to pick him. And you'll probably get 10, 12, 13, 14 before you get to Kirk and before you get to Prescott, depending on which order you put those in. And that's why I asked the three-year question, because I... I'm not sure Kirk is the quarterback here, and I don't even know about Dak in Dallas. I mean, eventually, I guess they have to sign him to a contract extension, but they might not. I mean, they might just let him go or franchise tag him or do the same thing that Washington did to Kirk. And I think that uh, those things being so much up in the air makes that a hard question of who you'd rather be. Well, and it comes down to postseason success, too. You can chalk up all the fourth-quarter comebacks in the regular season, Mark, but if you're not getting it done in January, then that's when people are paying attention. Mm -hmm. And in Dallas, I think... There's a resignation in this market when it comes to quarterback play and when it comes to uh, expectations for the Vikings. Uh, more people here, I think, brace for things mm-hmm. than they do demand. Yes. Whereas in Dallas, there's a demand yes. for success and there is an expectation for deliverance down there that is a high, that is higher and it always has been yep. for good reason. I mean, they've established the bar for decades with, uh, you know, 
you know, you, you can go down to Starback, Randy, uh, Randy White, Danny White. Uh, you go back to, uh, well, even Romo set a pretty oh, yeah. high bar. Oh, yeah. Um, Aikman. I mean, you're going to, you, over the years, Dallas has had game breaking quarterbacks, successful quarterbacks. Romo didn't do much in the postseason, but it, you know, he continued the, the sort of the reputation of them always being a marquee team and always being a team that was there to be, you know, to be measured against. In in Minnesota, we just seem to have this. Everybody's just on edge and 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 bracing themselves. You know, break. That's don't the, you the, get that feeling from the team too? I'm not around them. I only you know kind of pick up what you guys write and tweet out. It seems like they're I, they don't feel as uh, loose, I guess, as they have in the past, and maybe they shouldn't be. I mean, there's a lot at stake here, and they realize it. I mean, this defense has been together for an awful long time. This offense has been in a position that it needs to step up when it is expected them to, and they haven't always been able to do that. You're, you know, finding out that, you know, you may put Zimmer on the hot seat with a loss here. So I think there will be some um, tightening of tensions if that happens. You tell me, you're out there more than I am. I mean, the tension all year long, the tension all year long has been very high. I mean, even you go back to, you know, they lose. The game against Chicago, sure, and it, it's it broke out into the open. Much more clear, but there has been that overriding tension in the building since the end of last year, since Week 17, when it exploded on the sidelines between Thielen and Cousins, and even just you know the DiFilippo thing hovering over of Zimmer. I'm not saying he panicked and firing DiFilippo because I think ultimately that was the right decision, but. It had that feel to it, and the conversation outside the building was, wait, can anyone get along with Zimmer now? And this has just seemed to be a magnet for drama over the last number of years here with Kirk Cousins, with, I guess, the last two years. Um, but even, Not, Yeah, year and a half. <laughs> yeah, year, yeah, right, year and a half. But even going back to them losing the NFC Championship game the way that they did, mm-hmm. if they had lost the NFC Championship game by three points, then I think that it would have maybe a different feel from last year, um, even from the start, like less pressure. Like we were right there and we almost got it. But to get blown out, and that was the last time you were close, it's created this vibe of you have to get back and right that wrong, essentially, yeah, or it, you failed. And it almost feels like a fraud that they got there because of the miracle, too. So, sure. I mean, at that point, that whole postseason sort of goes into the shredder because of what happened in Philadelphia. Right. And then if you look at it that way and say, you know, it took a miracle for you to even win a playoff game, then you start looking at Zimmer's resume and say, oh, I don't really know how great it is. I mean, uh, yeah, you lost the Blair Walsh thing. That wasn't your fault. But can you always say this wasn't your fault? This wasn't your fault. This wasn't your no, fault. You know right. what I mean? And that yeah. kind of at a time you got to deliver. It kind of ends up being the same mantra for the coach and the quarterback. That's well, why this I, wasn't my fault. I, that kinda, wasn't my fault. I'm kind of surprised Garrett's lasted this long. To be honest, uh, considering what the expectations are in Dallas. Yeah, no, oh, I am too. And and he deserves to be on the hot seat after years of kind of being good and not great. Um, but it seems like both these coaches are in that Marvin Lewis zone of. We can only get you so far. Uh, we're going to talk to Eric Eager next. I know that he does not believe in this Dallas team, and I just pulled up their schedule for the second half. Yikes. It's actually going to be pretty tough for them. So let's discuss with Pro Football Focus is Eric Eager. Should we believe the Vikings can beat the Dallas Cowboys without Adam Thielen and Linval Joseph? That's when we return. Matthew Collar and Brian Murphy here on Score North. North Memorial Health has over 400 care providers. That's right, more than 400 care providers and more than 6,000 team members that are dedicated to keeping you 
healthy. North Memorial Health is proud to partner with the Minnesota Vikings as they work to make Minnesota the healthiest in the league. They're more than a team at North Memorial Health. They're your family. At North Memorial Health, customers are treated like family. Your health family is more than a tagline. It's a commitment to delivering unmatched customer service. That means a big smile when you walk in the door. That means making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. It means asking, what else can we do for you? North Memorial Health will treat you like family in a good way. The people at North Memorial Health will team up with you to help you achieve your best health. So step up your health care game today and find your health family at northmemorial.com slash family. Once again, that's northmemorial.com slash family. Jonathan here with the Score North download. This download brought to you by the Think Great Foundation. Military spouses on November 11th, the Think Great Foundation will award $25,000 in academic scholarships. Support the families that support our freedom. Go to thinkgreatfoundation.org to help listen to Score North with Amazon Alexa. Just say Alexa, open Score North, and you'll hear the soothing sounds of Purple Daily, Macking Judd with Rami, and much, much more. Just say Alexa, open Score North, Mike Zimmer. Friday press conference, scrum, whatever you want to call it. Address the Linval Joseph injury as he's listed as out for Friday's game. Here's what, or Sunday's game, excuse me. Here's what he said. He's out. Quick uh, thoughts on bringing back Andrew Sandejo. We thought he, he could help us. And thoughts on losing Marcus Epps in that Sandejo pickup. Things happen all the time. So if you missed it, he was very short with the media today. Did not seem too pleased heading into this weekend. That's been your score north download. Now back. To Purple Daily. Yeah, and you know the reason that Bill Belichick gets away with that? It's these things you put on your finger. <laughs> Rings? Yeah. Gloves? When you do it when you're Mike Zimmer, it just looks what, like you're, it looks like you're panicking before a big game. When you do it after you have six rings, then it looks like you're just the GOAT, and you can do whatever you want. So I don't know if Mike Zimmer's ever really understood the difference there. Uh, apparently not. You know, it's also Friday. He's had to talk Monday, Wednesday. He does his little private stuff with you guys on Thursday. Look who, look who would defend him. Look, look. Uh, the, what a guy, turn. The, guy, the guy who was most likely to get in his face is sitting here defending Friday press conference. Senseless one. I just, uh, it, it is Fridays are the worst because nobody, oh, everybody's we're got all out of questions, everything. Yep. The rag has been wrung out. There's nothing yep. left. It's all injuries. And we know he's not going to reveal anything anyway, except, except with the three did. technique. Except. By being that way, crusty, he did reveal who was playing nose tackle. It looks like it's going to be Jaleel Johnson, and Shamar Stefan will play three technique. Thanks, Mike. All right, now we bring in. I think uh, he's lying. From I don't think he is. I because he got really like I don't know, sort of annoyed with the question, and then just shot that out of his face without <laughs> thinking. Uh, all right, now we bring in our friend uh, Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus. Shamar Stefan at three technique, as we've learned, and Jaleel Johnson at nose. Eric, how much trouble are the Vikings in facing the Cowboys' offensive line without Linval Joseph? Well, it sounded like Zimmer had a real normal one today. Um, <laughs> Sometimes, for a Friday. Uh, well, if you watch the Monday night game, the, the Giants being less than stout up front defensively really helped Ezekiel Elliott have some holes that, you know, the three of us could run through probably with arms locked. So it's going to be tough with, uh, you know, without Linville in there. I thought that that was one of the advantages that they had. Dallas likes to run the ball probably a little bit too much. And with Joseph able to hold the point of attack, that would have been a, probably a, a matchup the Vikings could at least hold serve with. Now it's going to be a little bit questionable. And then you bring up the fact that they really struggled rushing the passer you know, in, on the interior, and, and having Joseph out there is simply not going to help that. 
Eric, was it been surprising kind of how soft the Vikings' past defense has looked, considering that's always been the sort of the strength of their defense, or at least their uh, the pride of Mike Zimmer, having uh, been such a stout defensive backs coach over his career. It just seems like it's been so leaky lately. Well, you know, the, the issue is, is Xavier Rhodes has always been the straw that stirred that drink, and, and he, you know, as you know, Matthew pointed out, you know, mini camp, training camp, he's lost a step. And it had started happening last year, and we've seen it manifest itself even more, uh, you know, you know, against Washington was, you know, very, very wide open. And then last week, you know, Trey Wayne is a decent corner in the NFL, but he's just simply not good enough to match up with Tyreek Hill, either with speed or, as we found out, you know, with the ball in the air either. So, um, you know, they've done a decent job drafting their replacements. Mike Hughes, you know, Mackenzie Alexander, but both of those guys have missed time. So they're not, a, you know, the Vikings aren't exactly in a position. Holton Hill missed time with a suspension. So they're not exactly in a position to have replaced those guys by now. Maybe they will in the future, though. Eric, what do we think of uh, if the difference between if Amari Cooper is in and if Amari Cooper is out? Because it seems to me that Dak Prescott has been a different quarterback since he's gotten Amari Cooper in that trade. Yeah, they've won. I mean, I think they went eight two down the stretch last year with Cooper, um, and you know this season they really the games they really struggled offensively is when Cooper you know missed some time, so it really hurts them. Michael Gallup's been a pretty good player at times season for them obviously Jason Witten can still get you the ball you know with the ball underneath Cobb and you know Tavon Austin are sort of more the slot underneath guys so Cooper is really the one the number one receiver on that team so it really would help Minnesota uh, should he be out we were talking uh, in the first segment a bit about whose seat gets hotter with a loss Uh, Jason Garrett obviously has been kind of avoiding the guillotine for a little while down in Dallas Mike Zimmer maybe not so much but you know, if this team falls to six and four here, and, and Matthews kind of pointed out their schedule isn't very forgiving, uh, how difficult will it be for either coach to kind of uh, lose a primetime game like this and kind of lose their momentum? Well, yeah, Dallas has uh, one of the top, I believe, five or ten toughest schedules moving forward as well. So it's really, it is, it's basically the same idea for both teams. You know, uh, the only difference is Dallas is still ahead of Philadelphia, and Philadelphia hasn't really shown the consistency this year that teams like Green Bay have. So, um, you know, I don't think the Vikings' chances of winning the division are particularly high. They go up a little bit with the win here. Um, but if I look at which seat is hotter, it's Zimmers, because Dak Prescott's been up and down in his career, but his floor is so much higher than Kirk Cousins. He played poorly last season. He still got that team to 10-6 and six and a division title. When Kirk Cousins plays poor, we all know what happens. So uh, even though I think you know Kirk's ceiling might be a little bit higher just because of his down-the-field accuracy, um, if I'm if I'm having a team that has some perturbations, I'm going to go with Dak. And, and hence, I think even if Dallas loses this game, Dak could probably carry them to a 9- or 10-win season uh, regardless. Eric, I don't know if I've ever asked you your opinion on this. I mean, the, the Kirk Cousins... Win-loss record in prime time. Win-loss record against good teams. And then on and on and on. I mean, it's all you hear about. I guarantee you, after your friend Chris Collinsworth slides in next to Al Michaels on Sunday night, it won't be very long before he mentions what Kirk Cousins' record is in prime time because they always show it at this point. Is that a thing that we should like take that seriously when we go into each one of these games? Because the rest of the schedule is in prime time, basically. Yeah, I mean, they're in prime time for one reason, and that's because they're an okay team to good team, playing a okay team to good team. And, you know, Cousins' career, he's played for Washington teams that topped out at 9-7. and seven. 
his Minnesota career, this has been the best team record-wise he's had. And so the, the Kirk Cousins in primetime thing is just another way of saying Kirk's an above-average but not great quarterback because in those games he plays a great quarterbacks. And, you know, above-average to not great quarterbacks probably do go 5-30 and 30 or whatever against great quarterbacks. Hey, speaking of prime time, last night the Raiders come back and find a way to beat the, the Chargers uh, by a couple of points on Thursday night. And they're squarely in the AFC playoff race here, despite being in their lame duck season in Oakland. Should we be thinking about John Gruden in the uh, Coach of the Year conversation? Wow, that's a hot take. <laughs> I, I think so. I mean, that defense is horrible out loud um, in terms of giving up deep passing yards, in terms of giving up rushing yards. Um, they they traded away their only you know good defensive player last year. They traded away their only like young good corner uh, like you know this season and Gary Conley. And yet Derek Carr has been facing pressure at almost at the, you know league low rate, and he's done really well as a result. And you know I I put Carr in that same conversation with the Kirks and the Dax, and where you build a, a infrastructure on him. It's not like they have. You know, Antonio Brown playing wide receiver for them. They have Tyrell Williams and, you know, uh, Hunter Renfro, you know, and Foster Moreau at tight end. They're not exactly like this juggernaut offensively. And Derek Carr is playing extremely well, and I think John Gruden deserves a lot of credit for it. Eric, in the uh, area of not Minnesota football team questions, uh, let me just throw this random one at you. Cleveland Browns, your thoughts? You, this summer, when I was in Cincinnati there with you, you said it's a lot easier to win seven than it is to win nine in the NFL, so Cleveland might disappoint you. Two and six, though. I, I don't think I had any thought that they could be two and six at this time. PFF loved Baker Mayfield coming out, and he looked mm-hmm. the part in his first year, and it's been exactly the opposite this year. I mean, um, Cleveland, your thoughts? Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty clear that as of right now, you know, Baker Mayfield has a lot of growing up to do. It, he hasn't been as bad as his statistics are, but his statistics are bad. So um, it, it's a lot of these things where if you get the royal flush of badness, you know, terrible play calling, receivers that don't respect the coach or the quarterback, uh, you know, drops, uh, poor fourth down decisions, injuries on defense, you can get exactly what the Browns have done. And so – I still think they're talented. I still think Baker has a bright future. Uh, but unfortunately, I think the only solution for that team is to get a different head coach, and that's going to be really hard to do considering that would be their third head coach in as many years. Uh, Antonio Brown's back in the headlines again. Yay. Uh, so he's uh, basically saying, F the NFL, I'm never going to play for them again. Uh, he's due to meet uh, with the league to discuss his playing status in, in the wake of his uh, his allegations that have rendered him moot i guess a little bit but i i'm curious what what is his value now at this point of the season and never mind whether teams politically should take a chance on him um is he still a a prudent pickup at this point yeah throw away the personal things which you can't but throw those away and i think he could benefit a team like minnesota frankly i mean what the the biggest excuse me the biggest wait what the biggest Really? Uh, I, I Somebody was saying that. In the just because Thielen's hurt? Uh, yeah. No, but well, I, even I wouldn't do that now, though. Uh, even even though I yeah. was the I was the defender of the idea, um, I wouldn't do that now. But but go ahead. Their biggest issue on Sunday, you know, they had a lot of issues on Sunday, but their biggest issue is it, was, it, it looked very clear that they didn't plan on Thielen getting hurt again. Because yeah. 
yeah. you know, in the in the Washington game, they they played a lot of heavy sets. They sort of uh, de-accentuated the fact that they're you know they were only a receiver too deep. The fact that they were throwing to Treadwell all that time on Sunday was meant that those routes were for Thielen, and 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 they they did not adjust on the fly. And that's the problem when you only have two NFL caliber receivers on your team. Maybe two and a half if BC Johnson counts the half. So that you know, they could it could really help Minnesota, Frank. And he could he could help Oakland too. I mean, their receiving core isn't great. Carr is just elevating himself above the whole prey. Now that would be hilarious if he went back to Oakland and re-signed oh, yeah. for the playoff run. Uh, That's Aaron, a Raiders Al Davis that, type oh, move. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, all is forgiven. Please catch the football. All right. Um, before we let you go, Eric. 98 Vikings or 92 Cowboys? Oh, wow, that's a great one. Um, the underrated aspect of those Dallas teams was that their defense was amazing. Yes. I mean, their defense got Dave Wanstead a head coaching job with the Bears and then a head coaching job again with the Dolphins. So because, you know, they're a, they were a juggernaut offensively, offensive line is terrific, obviously the triplets, and then their defense I think was probably twice as good as the 98 Vikings defense. 92 Cowboys. Yeah, I can't make a case, except for just being historically good at the time for the 98 Vikings on offense, and the general belief that offense will win for you more than defense will, but they were fourth in yards in offense and first in yards in defense in 92. Then they put 52 points up in the Super Bowl. I remember, Murph. Thanks. Thanks for bringing that up. I'm glad you yeah. mentioned it. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I don't. Where would you put them all time? I mean, I think 92 Cowboys is as good as any team that we could ever try to stack them up against. Matthew, your ability to trigger Vikings in like a third order way is so great because the reason that they're one of the top five like teams of all time, I know why, is that their like, their secondary <laughs> players were all Herschel Walker picks. Right. Alvin Harper was like some random number two receiver who happened to be a top fifteen pick. Right? Like, you have Michael Irvin on your team, and you just get to spend a first-round pick on Alvin Harper, right? Darren Woodson, uh, Russell Merrill, and Leon. Like, that team was stacked, and I think, you know, it was – I mean, obviously the Patriots are a dynasty, but, like, the Cowboys in that mid-'90s are, like, the second-to-last true dynasty in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And I think for that, I mean, you put, I put them in the top five. Yeah, I can't disagree. I mean, I, I even think that if – even though I am the biggest Troy Aikman defender because I saw him take apart – the Buffalo Bills in multiple Super Bowls and play super super well. Uh, I think if they had Jason Garrett as their quarterback, they would have gone like eleven and five uh, in most of those years. So well, um, Barry, Barry Switzer took over that team from Jimmy Johnson and won a Super Bowl. Like that's right. how stacked they were. Is that Barry Switzer is like half the coach of Jimmy Johnson, <laughs> and it still didn't matter. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, the PFF forecast is your podcast, Eric. What are you forecasting for this game on Sunday night? See what I did there? Oh man, oh man. I would say. Uh, you know, so Dallas is three-point favorites, I think, right now. Can I check? Um, if you're a betting person, I think you probably want to take Minnesota with the points. But I think Dallas probably – I think Dallas wins by a field goal or less. Okay. Yeah, I've got it as a fairly low-scoring and tight game between two pretty even teams. Eric, uh, thanks for jumping on on short notice. Really appreciate you, man. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you, sir. Follow the PFF Forecast podcast with uh, Eric and George Shahuri. They do a great job. And follow him on Twitter – at PFF Eric, he likes to antagonize Vikings fans from time to time. So make sure you do well, that. Well, they ask for it. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Now, you mentioned something interesting that I've been thinking about lately is the Viking fan mentality. <laughs> I've, about, I've been fascinated by it since I lived here. 
Uh, yeah, and I was talking with someone who is from the East Coast about this, and it's interesting because it's like the people in the East, including Buffalo Bills fans where I was before, they burn hotter and they're angrier after losses by a lot. Uh, they're ready to burn down the stadium after every loss. But I also think that they're much harder to get to give up. So you'll be 2-5 and five if you're the Buffalo Bills, which was a regular thing when I was there. And you would still have a, a full stadium every single week. You would have people who were arguing, look, look, they only lost by a field goal in each one of those games. If they just make the field goals, then E.J. Manuel will be fine. All we have to do is have Brian Brom come in or Kelly Holcomb or J.P. Lossman step up this week. I believe he could do it. I think that they were much harder to get to finally admit that their team wasn't going anywhere than Minnesota fans with almost anything, but especially this team. Um, but even this team is good, and it's 6-3, and three, and there's still right now is a feeling of like, I don't know. I think we're going to blow it again. It's 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 almost impossible to overcome if you're the person trying to say like, look, I mean, they have a team that can go somewhere. That what you run into is this giant wall of eh, we're Minnesota. Uh, you and know, Kirk the cousins. The and- fatalism runs very deep here, and it does for for good reason. As somebody that's been here 19 years as an observer and a chronicler of it, I kind of I get it to a degree. I mean. You've got, uh, okay, no, what is it? Okay, boomers, right? Isn't that the phrase? Uh, yeah, the kids yeah, are using? yeah. So they've got their 0 for 4 Super Bowls, right? And then everybody else since then has had to endure six consecutive NFC championship game mm-hmm. losses. And as we've said before, two or three of them have been in biblical fashion. I mean, that's just <laughs> like these are once in a lifetime type defeats yeah. that have happened. New Orleans, 41 Donut, Philadelphia. Uh, the first one in Washington in the late 80s, they had a chance to win it Wilson, at the goal line. Yeah. I mean, you look at the 98, Gary Anderson. I mean, these are all epic, mm-hmm. epic losses. And I think that just, you know, it, it takes away, um, a, 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 it, it kind of grabs a little bit of your soul, I think, a bit. And I, and, and you can't look at it in a vacuum. You got to look at it as a, as a, as a pro sports market. We are a pro sports market. I mean, the Gophers, they have their moments here and there, but mm-hmm. let's be honest, they've been an afterthought. It's a pro sports market. And what you have is, you know, yeah, the Twins won a couple World Series, but their playoff failures the last 15 years are well chronicled and were uh, amplified just a month ago by the Yankees again, of course. Uh, you have the Wolves, who have been sort of non-existent and playoff failures. The Wild have been... Uh, failures if they even make it you lost your nhl team they Mm -hmm. actually left town picked up stakes and said goodbye and left you holding the bag Mm -hmm. so i look at it as as i understand why people are bracing for something there always there's a sense that something there's a dread in the air it's november it already feels like january winter's already here people are complaining about it already i mean we have no fall it's just where did it go? It just there was none. You're on a great rant here. And I, I am. I just but like, but because I just where did it go? I feel it from people. I married into it. Uh-huh. My wife's family. They're all fatalists. Mm-hmm. They all expect it to go down badly. So the optimism it, it's just been drained by several factors, mostly of which has been underachievement and failure. Do you think that? Kirk Cousins is the perfect quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings <laughs> for these times, right? I is mean, he not? 
Isn't he though? For these like, times, these people, every big game will go into it because that's what they need. Lose, is that, that's what lose. they want is a milk toast, gosh darn it, kind of guy that just can't quite win the big one, but is <laughs> so like he's kind of likable, right? I mean, yeah, you, you don't root against the man, no, definitely, not. you know, or the boy or whatever he is, um, the man boy. Uh, he the beard just, has helped. You think? No, I don't know. Not really. It, no. it, it it doesn't look legitimate to me. And maybe if it goes a little longer, but he couldn't. Tr- he no, couldn't, he let it go longer, but, but he then he can't chin it up. strap. You can't get the chin strap on. But if he mm. if he went a little bit more Duck Dynasty, what do you think? <laughs> oh, Ryan Fitzpatrick has proven that you can get the chin strap on if you let it go. Yeah, that's true. Uh, that far, I don't think that he's got that in the plans. Probably he is more of a straight laced type of guy, and he is sort of understated, which I think Vikings fans would appreciate. I just mean I, that they could, it, but I think they want to. They want somebody to go in there and strangle somebody, right? They want to. They want to take out their their anger. They want. They want. They want retribution for all the failure. Yeah, and instead they get, oh golly gee, I'm sorry, I didn't do well. Yeah, they get. Well, what they get is kind of the guy who gives them what they expect. Like you went into week 17 and you expected last year for them to somehow come up short, even though they should have easily beaten the team that wasn't playing for anything. And then they did. And you go to last year, you know, you go to Seattle on Monday Night Football, and like, okay, here's your chance to potentially get yourself into the playoffs with a win here and instead you come out short an offensive coordinator right and it's just kind of been uh, exactly what Vikings fans probably thought it was going to be when they signed him of okay there's way too much hype here this has got to go sideways somehow and the sideways somehow so far has been you just can't win a game that we all get excited about and I even feel it here where a, a game like this should be, in my mind, one where you wake up each day going, we are closer to that Dallas game. Wow. And I haven't gotten that feeling from the fans, and my connection is mostly through social media, obviously, but I follow a lot of smart fans and ones who tweet a lot, and I have not gotten the feeling of, can't wait for this game. It's entirely, there's dread. this is going to go wrong. There's right? dread. There's right. always a sense of dread, and I think that has been because, except for the miracle. Maybe the miracle, the six days leading up from the miracle to Philadelphia, yes. there's another example. There's another example where mm-hmm. your soul was just kind of stolen a bit. Because yeah. you thought maybe this has exercised all those demons, right? Of course it has. And then to go lay down mm-hmm. in Philly like that. I think it's a good point that not only does that impact it, but you know the 98 team being historically good and then losing the way they did and having... Even the Twins this year. I think that was a gut punch for everybody. Absolutely it was. I mean, the crossover is probably 90% people who like the Twins and also like the Vikings. Yes, you can't can't just put each one in a box because it's the same fan base. I mean, you set the record historically for home runs. Like, Babe Ruth's teams didn't hit as many home runs as you did, and you couldn't hit it all against the New York Yankees in the playoffs And, again. of course, that was the big boogeyman that everybody was afraid of, and, of course, the boogeyman came alive from under the bed. Now, here's the question, though, that I have never quite figured out. I've never believed in it, but the longer I'm here and then coming where I came from, it's hard not to. Do you think it impacts the teams? They'll all tell you to the end of the day, no, 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 no. I'm not even from know. here. I'm from the Dominican. What are you talking about? Or whatever. Like, But I wonder if it affects, because how could you go into a place and have everyone talk this way and everyone feel this way about your franchise forever and have you be like, oh, no, I'm isolated from that? Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't 
necessarily buy that. I think it's two separate entities. I think you got a, a group of professional players and coaches who are in a bubble in so many ways, yeah. right? I mean, I'm not saying they ignore coverage or ignore social media and uh, they feel it. Uh, they see it and they hear it, but I think they I think they tune it out for the most part. Uh, unless you're the clown on the uh, the Jets who went off on his fan base, then obviously that that uh, that usually doesn't end well. A bad choice. Um, but I I don't I don't want to believe that. I I really don't because I and then I'm not saying that, that that there's a disconnect between the fans and the players and the teams, but I just I I feel like that's that's a that's a cheap excuse. You know, I just think that it's like no, you have a job to do. And, you know, I don't necessarily think the 2019 Vikings have to answer for the 98 Vikings. Yeah. But the fans, they have to answer for that. They have to absorb all of that and take it all in. Um, That's what colors their uh, behavior and their expectations. And I think with the current team, since you've been a part of those massive disappointments, that uh, you end up feeling that. Is like you, yeah, you, recent history, right, absolutely. Recent history the, the, the lay down from after the miracle, yes. I think this team feels that pressure. You think they win? No, I don't. Okay, now leave. <laughs> that, that's okay. I'm taking a close win, close loss. Yeah, I think it'll be a close loss. Uh, as you said, what, 21-17? Yeah. I'll just flip it. Okay. I'll go 23-20. Uh, Brian Murphy, great to have you. All right, thanks for having me Fun, again. as always. Uh, Myron Metcalf coming up next. We'll talk a little gophers with uh, Daniel House at 3.30. We'll be back. You're listening to Purple Daily here on Score North. Football fans, it's Mackie here for Federated Insurance. You might not know this about me, but I've been a business owner a couple different times in my life. I can relate to the roller coaster ride, the never-ending sea of problems to solve, the exhilaration of those incremental wins. If you're a business owner, I recommend getting to know Federated, which has over a century of experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be. You want a company like Federated standing behind your business? Visit FederatedInsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Mutual Insurance Company. It's our business to protect yours. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Well, it's important game for us, for sure. Um, being able to go on the road and beat a good team is, is, is important for us. We, you know, but for us to do that, it's not about that. It's you know, we got to control the clock. We got to not turn the ball over. We got to be efficient with all the different things. You know, there's a lot that goes into it that we what we have to do in order to uh, beat a team like this. That was Mike Zimmer there, Matthew Collar, and now joining the show from ESPN, Myron Metcalf. What's up, Myron? How's it going, man? I'm doing pretty well. Um, we will talk with Daniel House for a few minutes in about a half an hour about the Gophers' big game against Penn State. You excited about that? Is there a big game? I've heard, I've heard rumors. Well, right? depends on how you look at it. Depends on how much you believe in the Gophers. Whether <laughs> it's you huge, think it's a big nah, game. It's, it's huge. I mean, you win that game and you get into the college football playoff conversation, and and then uh, you count down the days until PJ Fleck is probably gone. But uh, it'd be a huge moment for the whole program. Oh no, Myron! No, didn't you hear? There's a contract extension. I saw that. Didn't you which hear? Mean, which it's a, it's one of those life contracts, right? lifetime. Yeah, yeah. He seven, stays forever. Seven yeah. years, which means he'll work all seven under that exact contract. <laughs> yeah, that's how it works. This is my first day on earth. I mean, <laughs> I saw that, and the conversations that were going on were, well, now they've locked him in. Like, no, they haven't. <laughs> no, but they okay, haven't. yeah, I mean, that's not how this works. But no, all right. 
Uh, so we'll discuss the Gophers a little bit more. I thought makes sense, even though we are Purple Daily, to have a little maroon conversation with this big game. I am extremely excited about that. And uh, Brian Murphy and I last hour debated how big of a game this is for the Vikings. So let's see, what kind of scale would you like to use? Uh, like a 1 to 10 or 1 to 100? You pick the scale and then you decide how big of a game this is. Um, well, let's, I mean, if we use one to 10, uh, it, it feels like an eight. I mean, doesn't it? It feels, it feels like a pretty significant game. Just considering what happened Sunday and the fact that this is when it gets real, uh, for the Vikings and they're, they're on the road in a place where the Cowboys have been pretty good. And I think that sort of starts this interesting slate where, you all know the games ahead, the road games, right? You go to Dallas, you go to Seattle, you go to a Chargers team that now, um, although they lost last night, beat the Packers, will have some fight left. You, you got to host Green Bay, but you play Denver, you host Detroit. I mean, there's a lot of games in there where you could go, okay, this could end up going well for the Vikings, but it could also go in a completely different direction, and maybe last Sunday was the start of that. That's why I think you got to get a big win Sunday Erase what happened last weekend and get going on a positive note because this thing could get ugly in the next five games for this team, and they could go into the last three or four matchups going, man, we got to get three wins, and you don't want to be in that situation to get into the playoffs. So I'm with you. I, I would put it somewhere in the eight or nine category. Things start to get really hairy if you lose this one because of the standings, just how the NFC has worked out. When you have either good teams or or really bad teams, then that means people are going to be winning 10, 11, 12 games, the teams that are going into the playoffs. And right now, you've got San Francisco, Seattle, Los Angeles still in the mix. I mean, if the Vikings lose this one, you could very well have Los Angeles um, be a half-game difference of you just because of the way the bye works out. They're 5-3, and three, the Panthers yeah. are 5-3, and three, and then Philadelphia is emerging here. And if you give a win to Dallas, and they're 6-3, and three, and then Philly wins, you're tied with them, and all of a sudden, it looks like, yikes, we've got a mountain to climb here. And then, like you said, not too many easy games coming up, assuming they can beat Denver. But still, as you mentioned, it's Green Bay, it's Seattle, it's... You know, the, the Chargers on the road, not in that order. Um, and then Chicago, I wouldn't count out either since they no. beat you in week 17 last year and then beat you already this year. So, yeah. so the schedule does that. The standings do that. But you know what else does that for me, Myron, is the mentality of this team since they lost the NFC championship game. Because hmm. that team in 2017 had big wins. They had resiliency. They had moments that we could talk about. They go up against Chicago. Sam Bradford goes out there, and his knee doesn't work. And Case Keenum comes in and leads them to a win. And that was huge. Even though it wasn't a great team, it was a huge turning point type of win. They beat Atlanta on the road. They beat the Los Angeles Rams, who had the number 1 offense in the league and held them to 7 points at U.S. Bank Stadium. I mean, those were the types of wins that you could write down as signature wins where it wasn't the easiest situation, and this team came through. But since then... I've got nothing to hang my hat on in terms yeah. of those big wins with lots of hype where we go into it, and then that reward pays off for the fans, and, and the team believes in itself in these big games. I think not only they need a win in the standings, I think they need a win in the locker room. I think they need a win for belief because the three times we've hyped up games this year as being like, this is big, this is exciting, yeah. we've come in the next day and gone, well, they did that thing again. <laughs> and that's 
you know, going into last week, we talked about this on the show last week. I almost, I would have rather Patrick Mahomes played. I know that sounds crazy, right? But to me, like going into that situation where people are saying, hey, we think you're going to win this game. You're not playing against one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. It just seemed like they were so sluggish and almost stunned by some of the things that were happening, the 91-yard touchdown mm-hmm. and just moments where you're like, did they really understand what they were going into? And that has always been my challenge with these Kirk Cousins Vikings is you have ahead uh, four primetime games starting Sunday. Sunday night game, then you have a Monday night game at Seattle after the bye. Two weeks after that, you go to L.A. to play the Chargers on the road. Derwin James, I think, returns maybe the week before that, could change things defensively. You host Green Bay on Monday Night Football two days before Christmas. The can you show up in big moments, not just Kirk Cousins, the entire team, to to your point. And it's crazy, man. Six and three feels like. Oh man, danger might be a hit. Seven and two feels like, hey, let's have a party, everybody. Who cares? Does, you know, we're gonna yeah, we're on our way to the playoffs. But six and three feels like this thing could collapse. You, you know, like we're we're driving and you're getting that indicator that says, hey, your your tires losing pressure and you don't want to pull over. I mean, that's kind of how it feels at six and three. Even though you should be celebrating uh, that kind of record after nine games, you look at the schedule and go, man, what's ahead? You're on the road. You beat that Prescott. You you win in Jerry Land then that, to me, is that sort of energizer that you need if you're this franchise, especially without Adam Thielen. If you lose this collar, now you're hosting on November 17th a Denver team with really nothing to lose. I don't know if they even have a quarterback, but those are the kinds of games where I don't trust these Vikings to be in a game where they've lost two in a row, on the road, big moments, and now you host Denver, and it's like, okay, here's our comeback game, and then you fall flat. Like I think this is one of those teams where, yes, I can see them shining in this next slate, these next seven games, I could also see a one in three record in the next four games. And us talking about, man, what do they have to do to get into the playoff picture? That's why Sunday is so crucial to me. And this is why this version of the Minnesota Vikings, in my mind, is so fascinating. Because there isn't much that should be holding them back from being a great team when you look at their roster. And when we go through it, I remember this year in training camp where we were having conversations, the reporters on the sideline of like, you guys got anything like else for position battles to write about? Like, am I missing one? Have I, you know, I've been playing Madden for a long time. I think I know what the positions are, and I don't see any new ones that have battles because it's a lot of the same guys who have had a lot of success under Mike Zimmer, but never been able to quite get over the top. And it's always been the same kind of thing. You get to the NFC Championship game, you come up short. You get to Week 17, you come up short. And this year was supposed to be with the offense fixed and improvements and a new rookie tight end and new rookie center and Kevin Stefanski, Gary Kubiak's here, supposed to be, all right, it's going to be different this time. And, you know, they're good enough to believe that they could be. I was just looking at Football Outsiders, DVOA. That's a good stat because it takes your numbers and it um, computes versus the teams that you played and and all that sort of stuff, and it adjusts. And it has them as the sixth-best team in the entire NFL. By by the DVOA stats. I mean, it's got them ahead of Baltimore, ahead of Green Bay, ahead of Seattle, ahead of Houston. It's got them as a not decent team, but a really, really good team. And yet we have these three losses that just stand out so much. And I I guess there might be a, a different way to look at this, Myron, but Minnesotans would never buy it. But let me try it on you. So all three of the games were really within this happens or that happens and you win. 
Like just yep. uh, just uh, the snap of a finger, something's different. That fumble by Stephon Diggs in Chicago could have easily not been called a fumble. And honestly, I'm still surprised that they overturned it. It had just gotten into his hands. It was knocked right out. And that changed the game right there. And in Kansas City, you have a number of these things that you could point to. You know, Anthony Harris makes a tackle, or your punter actually kicks it down the field as opposed to just out of bounds. Your field goal kicker doesn't shank one. Now, I think that there's a fundamental part of this that says, well, look, this is the problem with this team is it's always, well, they were just a Blair Walsh kick away uh, that they can't overcome things a lot of times, especially in the Kirk Cousins era. But I also think there's a case to say, you know, the, the numbers point to this team being really, really good, and maybe it is just tight losses that didn't go their way, and they could easily be a 8-1 and one team here. Well, and, and the thing about it is nobody cares about close losses, right? In, in terms of when you look back, like the almost just doesn't matter. The Chargers lost last night to the Oakland Raiders. It was their sixth loss by seven points or less, right, this season. That's amazing. We're going we're gonna to look back at the end of the season and go, they didn't make the playoffs. Right. No one's going to care how close yep. they were. So I think that's the thing with these Vikings. You have to say to yourself, don't excellent teams, Kyler, at some point overcome in those scenarios? Sure, like, yeah. don't they? Don't those plays fall in their favor for once? And, and I think that, to me, is the challenge. I think the analytics suggest that this is a team that's capable of being great. And we've said that time after time. But you prove it in these moments. You prove it in the four primetime games you have coming up. You prove it when you're sort of right there on the road against a Kansas City team that doesn't have Patrick Mahomes. This is when you prove it because this is what you have to do to advance in the playoffs. And in 2017, we were spoiled to see this team overcome in those scenarios, get the edge in those moments. Yep. And now we watch a season and a half where we're going, how come the thing things aren't you know rolling in their favor? How come the ball isn't bouncing their way? And at some point, you've got to go, this isn't just a lack of luck. You know, you're not unlucky. At some point, it has to be an execution thing. I find myself watching that game on Sunday and thinking a couple of things. One, it's never good to give up a 91-yard touchdown, right? No, usually, no, not usually. That's, that's not usually a good thing. You don't and plan I'm like, for that. <laughs> yeah, most teams that do that, I'm sure there are some challenges within their defense. So you can't put it all on Kirk Cousins. The Tyreek Hill touchdown grab, I think there are three or four guys in the NFL who could have made that play. Yeah. I mean, it was that Great phenomenal. Play. The way he contorted his body, the way he positioned himself. But I also found myself saying, is there enough speed in the secondary? Like, like things where you go, okay, they're good, and they have the possibility to be pretty good, but they're not good enough to miss some of these assignments. They're not good enough to not execute uh, in these moments, and I think mm-hmm. that's what you saw. They're, they're the kind of team that I think can beat anybody in this league other than maybe the top-tier Patriots kind of team. But I also think they're a team that if they don't execute, they can lose to the worst team in the league. That's just who they are, and that's who they've been, and that's the frustrating part because at some point you should be able to walk into Kansas City without Patrick Mahomes and say, we're walking away with a win. We'll worry about Dallas next week. We shouldn't be thinking about a loss to a Kansas City team that doesn't have Patrick Mahomes, but here we are again, and I think that's the frustrating part. Why does this always happen? Why in these situations is it always the Vikings being the ones that don't come out on top? You get Kirk Cousins to come out on top, and it doesn't work in your favor. What's wrong? Yeah. Like, what's the fix? That's what I don't understand. And usually we would say, well, you know, I mean, if you don't have the oppo- if you don't have the quarterback, then that's the problem is they can't overcome things. But the opposing quarterbacks in some of these losses have been less than impressive. I mean, Chase Daniel beats him, and Matt Moore beats him last year. Mitch Trubisky gets two wins against Kirk Cousins. 
I mean, these are situations where you say, okay, ultimately we have a lot of talent on the field on both sides. Who, who's going to decide it? It's usually the quarterbacks when that happens, which quarterback plays better. And when it's not Kirk Cousins and he's lost twice to Trubisky and once to Chase Daniel and once to Matt Moore <laughs> since being here, like those teams around those guys are really, really good. Um, at least the last year's version of Chicago, not this year's, but uh, mostly a lot of talent on the field when he's lost these games. But when you lose to the backup quarterbacks or quarterbacks that aren't that that great uh, just because it's a decent team. It's like, well, that's where you were supposed to make the difference, and you should, and you haven't. Um, but, Myron, I want to ask you about this. Um, Fox Sports NFL uh, just tweeted something, and you're going to be shocked to hear this. This is, okay. is going to be crazy statistics, going to blow your mind. You've never heard it before. Uh, Kirk Cousins is 6-13 and 13 in prime time. Have you ever heard that before? Has that ever come up? Has anyone <laughs> ever mentioned that. it? Uh, I've heard that maybe something like that. I will give one of my, uh, one of my follows on Twitter credit for this. Um, she said, there's also an undrafted star receiver from Mankato who had a $500 scholarship. Has anyone heard of this before? Like, yeah, under tired yeah. Viking storylines. But yeah. By the way, my scholarship at Minnesota State Mankato was bigger than Adam Thielen. Really? Wow. Yes. Um, I got 3000 from Mankato. Well, you turned out to be a bigger star. Your hamstrings are fine, right? <laughs> no, no, they're, probably they're a little tight. They're a little tight. <laughs> uh, that is funny, though. Um, yeah. And he almost went somewhere else to play basketball, so I guess this worked out okay for him. 6-13, and 13, Kirk Cousins in primetime. Do you believe that there is something that causes that, or is that small sample, he played for a meh team before, and it just hasn't really worked out here in the games that he's played? Or is there something to that? Well, I, I think to imply or, or suggest or, or presume that there's nothing to it, then you have to go in the opposite direction and suggest that uh, Tom Brady winning six Super Bowls and Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers and all these great quarterbacks finding a way to get wins in those moments, that it's just sort of happenstance. Right. It's serendipitous, right? Uh, it's luck. So so I think that, to me, is why you can't do that. There has to be something to it. Mm-hmm. Because at this level, there are a handful of great quarterbacks, right, who are just consistently great. For, for the most part, you know, I think quarterbacks 7 through 20, I mean, you, that thing can mix up depending on what's happening in the season. There was a stretch in October where Cousins was probably closer to 7. Now, last couple games, he's probably floating back down into the mid-teens. But I think that group, a lot could happen. They're not great quarterbacks, but they have the chance to be pretty good. So you have to assume within that group that the ones who are executing are, are finding a way based on decisions they're making, based on their poise, their mental makeup. Uh, so I can't ignore the fact that this is a guy who hasn't gotten it done on prime time and just say, hey, that's just what it is, or it's the team or the opponent, all these other things, because so many other quarterbacks have found a way in those moments, and that's how we grade quarterbacks. So until that changes, that is going to be a stat that sticks to him until he overcomes. But here's the great news. He's got some great opportunities ahead to say, look, I'm not that guy anymore. Because if he beats Dallas on Sunday, right, and if he goes to Seattle and beats Russell Wilson, and he beats Phillip Rivers, which isn't as good of a win anymore, but you go on the road for Kirk Cousins, that's still a good win. And then if you go and beat Aaron Rodgers on Monday Night Football before Christmas, people are going to say, that's a change. Man, we have watched a lot of quarterbacks in this league where the narrative has changed about them abruptly. Look at Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco. Look at Lamar Jackson. There are a lot of quarterbacks who've had these stretches where we said, whatever was happening in the past, forget about it. They're a new man. That can happen with Kirk Cousins if he finds a way to execute in these primetime games. But if he doesn't do it and fails again, that's going to stick to him. And you know what? It should. 
So I guess that would be my reasoning to think that he can turn around the narrative. Like, if you believe that he can turn it around, then you have to believe to some extent that it's not just because of him, that it would be circumstance. Now, I'm not talking about bigger win-loss records, because when you have the greatest quarterbacks of all time, statistically, they also have all the wins, too. Yes. Like, yeah, I think those things match up, and I've always believed that quarterback win-loss record is, is fair, because a lot of the teams are really close, and most times it comes down to which quarterback played better, which quarterback made big plays at big times, and, and so I think they deserve to wear that. Something this small of a sample that's always going to be against good teams that's where i look and say well how many times was washington the better team when he was there and the answer is probably not that many right i mean it's probably only a handful of times that they would have been better if they were playing aaron Rodgers at his absolute best that's historically great like do we expect Kirk cousins to come out with a win with no defense in washington probably not so there's a lot of that but there's also there's also a look to it though if it was just uh, you know, he came up short, and this didn't work out, or that didn't work out. You go, okay, well, maybe you know it's just the team quality. But there's a look to it that was there in Kansas City that's so often there in these primetime games. And that's the biggest thing that everyone's going to be looking for when this game starts on Sunday night is, is the bad Kirk look there? Because if it is, then I guess, I guess you feel like it's just going to happen again, the same thing. And, and that is probably the reason. And maybe it's not his fault. I mean, maybe it's just like his specific brand of not having a great game has a really bad look to it. I mean, yeah. that, that could be it. Uh, but every time I hear a number like that, that is such a small sample size, it's only a single season's worth of games, basically. Uh, I don't know. I mean, we've seen great quarterbacks have bad seasons before. We've seen circumstances impact quarterbacks a lot. And and that's where I can't entirely get on board that like there's some magical force that overtakes him and makes him not be able to quarterback as good in prime time. Well, I, I mean, that's, that's a fair assessment. But I think in terms of how he's perceived, uh, until you change that, that will be the, the narrative. I mean, the other guys who have had some of those slips, but they're still called great quarterbacks. They've had a lot of moments where you go, okay, we know they can do it. We still don't know if Kirk Cousins can execute in big moments consistently. Mm-hmm. Uh, Phil Mackey said the smartest thing I've seen about Kirk Cousins after Sunday's loss. He said when everything's perfect, Kirk Cousins is a, a top 10 quarterback. But when things aren't perfect, that's when you can't trust him. And I think that's fair. I think in an ideal situation, in a vacuum, Kirk Cousins can be a top 10 quarterback. But that never happens in the NFL. It's never just given to you like that. And that, to me, is where you go, okay, in that situation, if he's playing on the road, if he's playing in primetime, those are variables, right, mm-hmm. that kind of mess up that perfect environment and situation. And that's where Kirk has struggled, especially against good t- good teams. Can he change that in the second half of the season if he does? I think people will have a lot of great things to say about him in that situation. Now, I have a very important question for you, Myron. I thought I waited for this, and it's no disrespect to Murph, who was on before, but I thought this is a Myron-style question. Okay. Okay. Does Murph have Murph-style questions, too? Oh, yeah. Oh, Murph, yes. Anytime anytime you can get Murph into Minnesota mentality, I think that's like his strong point. Or the cops. I like Murph, yeah. Murph is great with the cops. Murph's Um, Murph's great. Anyway... (laughs) He used, to, he used to cover crime in Detroit. Oh, I know. So like, I, used, you, I used to be, yeah. yeah, yeah. You, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm telling, newspaper guy. I'm not yeah. telling you. I'm telling everyone else. There are other <laughs> people here listening. Um, I know you know who selfish Murph is. That was selfish of me. You're right. See, I'm everyone, sorry. there's this quarterback named Kirk. Um, anyway, uh, so a caller to Ventline this morning said that he is purposefully gambling on the Dallas Cowboys. I'm sure with... Uh, 
crackers and not actual money or something. Yeah. Right? Not, okay. not that anyone would ever do that. But he's gambling on the Cowboys to reverse jinx. Right? He thinks that if he puts his money down there, that he'll his luck will be so bad that he'll lose the money and the luck forces will forget that he's a Vikings fan and he wanted the Vikings to actually win. So do you believe in the reverse jinx? I'm all for it. I mean, you got to do what you got to do. Do everything Try that it. you can. Right? Try it. Whatever superstitions you have, do it. Sit in that chair. You, you sit in. Whatever you do when you get up in the morning. I mean, whatever you do, make sure you do that again because it can't, it can't hurt. And I think in a place like this, I've been here 20 years, man, when you have seen countless, oh, man, almost. Like, that's the thing in this whole community. So many close situations. So, hey, superstition. It can't hurt. Do everything you can to try to reverse this thing. I really uh, have the side of me that wants to believe that that stuff works. But I also, like when I used to do play-by-play for minor league baseball, they'd be like, don't say if it's a no-hitter. I was like, first of all, we're a single-A team. If we pitch a (laughs) no-hitter, I'll jump off the top of this building. And then, which funny after i was done that used to be my line right but then yeah. a- after i was done the team actually did pitch a combined no hitter so that's funny oh but anyway uh, you walk under ladders i mean are you into that are you that guy I, or see you? i don't care like i like oh black, man you can't do that. i like black cats like, no the, you can't do that the black cat that was on the field the other night like i would take that cat in and make nope. it my cat that's can't totally, do totally fine with that I'd, I'd br- i've broken mirrors before i'm fine oh I think, man mostly Get some uh, salt, man. Throw it over your shoulder whenever that happens. What does that do? Carry salt. How does it, that like, work? It wards off the stuff, man. Here, Carry some salt. But here's my only concern, though, with that is, so I'm in Buffalo, and they yeah. never win anything, and I'm there yeah. my whole life, and they have nothing but sports tragedies, and I leave, and then they make the playoffs in miracle fashion, <laughs> and now they're pretty good. I'm like, hmm, yeah, what happened there? That's unfair. Uh, and then I come here, and I arrive, and I'm unpacking the U-Haul with my wife, and yeah. I get a text from one of my buddies, hey, what's going on with Teddy Bridgewater? And I'm like, what, what do you mean what's going on with Teddy Bridgewater? I, you know, I'm excited to cover him. What are you talking about? Something just happened with his knee, and there's an ambulance out at Winter Park. What? Yeah. And then, since I've been here, I did see a miracle play, but I also have seen all sorts of other not miracles. And I was there yeah. in Philly, and I'm worried it's me. Carry some salt, man. Like You need to start carrying some salt around and throwing it over your over your shoulder, man. That's a thing. I'm sure Minnesotans would also say that it was bad before me. So, uh, <laughs> anyway, let's take a break. Uh, a team that does need some good luck this weekend as they play against Penn State, the Gophers. We'll talk with Daniel House, who wrote a great piece for our website called From Kentucky to Minnesota, Gophers quarterback Tanner Morgan's first love was football. We'll talk with uh, Daniel House about that and this game coming up against Penn State. When we return, you're listening to Purple Daily on Score North. I couldn't ask for a better group of young men, and they were huge in this decision. I love coaching them every single day. This is a very fun team. It's a very fun culture. It's very different. But I love these young men. I love them as my own sons. A lot of times, it's at times easy for coaches to pick up and leave and go different places. And These are very, very special people. And I believe in what we can do here at the University of Minnesota because of them. 
That was PJ Fleck. I know we're Purple Daily. We usually stick to nothing but Vikings in the NFL, but it's just too big. It's too exciting. Gophers and Penn State. Matthew Collar, Myron Metcalf, and we welcome into the show. He covers the Gophers for us. He wrote a great piece on Tanner Morgan at our website. I suggest you go to scorenorth.com to see it. From Kentucky to Minnesota, Gophers quarterback. Tanner Morgan's first love was football. Daniel, let's start there. Tanner Morgan. I mean, he wasn't even supposed to be the starter, and he's emerged as being the centerpiece of this offense along with the wide receivers. What have we learned about Tanner Morgan's journey that put him here in place to have one of the greatest wins in program history if they can beat Penn State? Well, it's crazy how it actually started because he was recruited by P.J. Foster in Michigan, And when PJ took the job in Minnesota, Tanner was actually getting ready to have his graduation party that evening. And PJ calls him that morning and says, hey, I'm taking the job at Minnesota. You want to follow me or not? And right away, Tanner wanted to join PJ Fleck at Minnesota. And he did it barely without even talking to his parents and said, I want to follow you. I'm committed to this. And I look at Tanner's journey. I talked to his dad, and he was discussing his love for football all the way up through his career and how he just processed things differently. And he worked with quarterback coaches the entire way up throughout his career. But when he went to Nashville this spring and worked with a QB coach, they did a video breakdown and they decided, why don't we call Rob Williams, who is a connection of his quarterback coach he worked with this spring. And why don't we see what he can do with your movement skills? So this is kind of a new wave of quarterback mechanical development, looking at, making uh, quarterbacks rotary, which is essentially using their hips and core to activate uh, better than doing the long throwing motions that are normally uh, a part of quarterback mechanics. So Tanner sent film to Williams, and he evaluated his mechanics, uh, got feedback in March, and then Morgan practiced those techniques for two months. And right away, Rob Williams said he noticed him becoming a rotary athlete. So The big difference is not a long and distal throwing motion, but becoming compact and rotary. And that's a big key when you're playing in these RPO systems to get the ball out quick. So Tanner's used his resources and his love for football to really guide him the the whole way through this journey. Football. That was very football house. You deserved one of those. (laughs) Okay, go ahead, Mark. Uh, I'm big on the word narratives and I got to tell you, when B.J. Fleck got hired and I got to know him and, and did a piece on him, I called a buddy of mine who played college football with him at Northern Illinois. And I said, is this guy for real? And my buddy, Randy Drew, told me this is exactly how he was, uh, even in college, even as a young man. I know there were a lot of concerns about whether or not this guy was sort of putting on a show or was this an act. Do you think now with the success he's had that people have really started to embrace his idea that this is who P.J. Fleck is, that roll the boat thing, it's not some gimmick, this is what this guy believes, and now he's using it to build this program? I think people are starting to see the success, but they want to watch this game this weekend and the schedule down the stretch because the Gophers have the toughest remaining schedule in college football the rest of the way. So you'll learn a lot more about this team. The people that are on the fence will probably start to buy in if the Gophers uh, continue the momentum down the stretch. But you just see how he's recruited. He's added more athletes that he can develop. They're that type of program where they're just looking for guys that fit different positions and then decide where you're going to put them later and He's elevated their ability to consistently recruit at a high level, and he's found the guys that fit his system because it's very unique. Like you said, not everybody wants to play for P.J. Fleck because he does it differently. His energy is contagious, and he has high expectations for his players on and off the field. 
that's helped create a culture that is successful in Minnesota because he's found players that fit what he's trying to do. And that's why P.J. Fleck has been so successful because he knows the players that can and won't can fit in the system and those who won't. Talking with uh, Daniel House. He covers the Gophers for us at scorenorth.com. You can follow him at Daniel House NFL, which for this weekend you should change to NCAA or something. Or uh, or Gophs. Daniel House <laughs> Gophs. Uh, should be the uh, the handle, but Daniel House NFL is where you can follow him. Um, okay, so tell me about this matchup, Daniel. I mean, it, it, in terms of the hype and everything else, it's as big as we've gotten here in a very, very long time. But what do you know about Penn State? How much of an uphill battle is this going to be for the Gophers? Well, the Penn State defense is one of the best in the country, most efficient, top-performing rush defense in the country and the Gophers have a 66% rush rate. So they've been really focused on running the football and controlling time of possession. However, a lot of people think the Gophers are just a running identity team, but they've shown more balance this year. They've got playmakers on the outside with Tyler Johnson, who will get NFL draft attention, Rashad Bateman, uh, Chris Ottman-Bell, three receivers, and then they have three running backs, Rodney Smith and Muhammad Ibrahim and uh, Shannon Brooks. So they have a lot more playmakers. However, how do you attack this Penn State defense that has so much length, speed, athleticism in the front seven? They love to blitz. They send a lot of stunts. So the Gophers' offensive line struggled a little bit early in the season with the stunts and the blitzes. It's improved a little bit, but you see this defense is something they haven't quite faced. This is one of the best defenses in college football. This athleticism versus Minnesota's physical offensive line. I mean, Yeter Grossmatos, the defensive end, he's a first-round pick candidate in the draft this year, Robert Windsor's versatile inside. Uh, Micah Parsons is one of the best linebackers in the country. So for me, the big matchup is Penn State's defensive line versus Minnesota's offensive line because Penn State's defense is, is an elite-tier group, and they have a deep rotation. They, they'll rotate 20 different players on defense, especially uh, up front. I love that Tyler Johnson you know, stayed home and what he represents with North Minneapolis. Uh, you mentioned him and some other guys. How big is this game for your Tyler Johnson, your Antoine Winfield Jr., guys who could be playing on Sundays one day? Well, yeah, they get a lot more exposure, and that's one of the reasons why they decided to come back was, hey, this Gophers team has a chance to go places and be on the national stage, and that increases draft stock significantly. And Johnson has a nice matchup this week. A lot of people are talking about the front seven for Penn State, but secondary's been really good, but slightly inconsistent. John Reed, senior, he left last game versus Michigan State with an injury. Then his replacement, Trent Gordon, he was hurt. So there's there's a little bit of uncertainty of who's going to be available in the secondary. They might have to start a true freshman quarterback, Marquise Wilson. Sounds like John Reed, the senior, is going to be ready to play, but... Penn State's allowed 12 receptions for 408 yards and a TD on plays of 20-plus yards. So Bateman and Johnson have been phenomenal in the deep passing game this year. 12 combined receptions of 30-plus yards, which ranks top 25 nationally. So that's the matchup of the game, and, and you have a chance for those guys, like you said, Johnson and Winfield, to really show what they can do against uh, elite-tier competition. That's exactly why they came back and wanted to be a part of the program. All right, House, tell us how it turns out. Put on your gypsy cap and tell us the future. Are we talking about tomorrow, one of the biggest wins in Gophers history? It's going to be a close game. I I see it being a little bit closer than people anticipate, maybe within three points each way. It's it's 
hard to project this game because the the strengths and weaknesses align in a way in which the the matchup's more even than people anticipate. Uh, this defense for Penn State though really is a big concern. I think that front seven. The way that they're performing, it could easily be a difference maker in the game. So, really, it could go and it could be a close game. I, I do believe the Gophers keep it relatively close uh, within a touchdown for sure. House, you didn't make a real prediction there. <laughs> I was listening. That was PC. I like it, though. Come on, House. You you, you want my like actual game Yeah, prediction? yeah, I'm predict taking... the game. That's why we brought you on. All the other I'm stuff, taking... I don't care. It's just this I'm... moment. This is for you. I feel like the Gophers are going to win by three points. I oh, just, wow. I just really I, all, like, right. all right. There you go. Why were you hesitating on that? I like the that? way they're playing. I like the way they're playing. I think the chemistry that they have right now, uh, their balance offensively. Penn State hasn't faced a group of wide receivers like this yet. So uh, that's where you're going to notice the big difference. Do the Gophers, you know, when they start running the ball, do Penn, does Penn State have to stack the box because they're defending the pass and the, the boxes are lighter? That's the matchup in the game that I'm excited to see. But the big key is whether that Penn State defensive line takes over. However, I think the Gophers can slow that. Well, imagining the reaction if they do win, it really would be something. And very, very validating for P.J. Fleck. Daniel House, scorenorth.com is where he covers the Gophers for us. Again, make sure you go check out his article on Tanner Morgan. Very detailed, uh, good stuff there. And follow him on Twitter, at Daniel House NFL. Daniel, great stuff. Thanks for coming on, buddy. Hey, thanks for having me on. Yep, for sure. Daniel thanks. All right, so he went there. What do you think, Myron? I'm excited to see it, man. You know, I I have been known. People think I'm a Gophers hater. I'm really not. I mean, just because I'm from Wisconsin, and I've covered a lot of the bad years, right? That's what happens when you've been a part of the bad years. Mm-hmm. People go, oh, yeah, you're not a fan. But I'm really excited for the whole program, uh, for P.J. Flag. This is a big moment. I hope they win. You know, I think that's the kind of win that changes a, a program. It is funny about when people get called haters. They're like, yeah. well, uh you got the you got the wins? No. <laughs> well, all right then. I think that's probably what that's about. All right, let's uh, take a break here, Myron. When we return, uh, the games we're going to be watching the closest this weekend. And I also want to do something extremely cliche for football shows. I don't do this often, but I think it's necessary for this game. We'll do that when we come back. Matthew Collar, ESPN's Myron Metcalf, here on Purple Daily. Jonathan here with the Score North download. We'll use it to remind you, download the Score North mobile app and make sure you register for listening rewards. This month, one lucky app user will win a $200 Visa gift card just for having the mobile app. All you have to do is download the app, register the app, and enter through listening rewards. You just heard Daniel House in the last segment of Purple Daily give his prediction for this weekend's Gopher game. So football fans, what's your predictions for the two big games for both the Minnesota football teams this weekend? Let us know over at Score North on Twitter, at SKOR North. Your prediction, that's been your Score North download. Now back to the final segment of the week of Purple Daily. Thank you, Jonathan. The last word from Myron Metcalf here before we go into a big weekend in Minnesota football. And uh, I know this is like the most cliche football thing we could ever do, but I just feel it's necessary, Myron. I want to go down areas with these two teams, and you just tell me instant reaction who has the advantage, okay? Let's just start with Coach. Who has the advantage at coach between the Vikings and the Cowboys? <laughs> oh, that's uh, Minnesota for sure. Okay. Uh, yeah, definitely. There's no conversation to be had there. Quarterback? I will give Dak the, the slight edge there, but they're 
they're they're like brothers or something. I mean, they make a lot of the same mistakes, but I'll give Dak a slight edge, especially because he's at home. Mm-hmm. On the road, I'd probably give it to Kirk. All right. Skill position players. Let's assume Amari Cooper tries to gut it out. Mm, heard Amari Cooper, no Thielen, still Dalvin and Stefan. Man, that's – can I call it even? Because I think they're they're kind of neck and neck. I'll say with our tight ends, I'll give Minnesota the slight edge there, even with that amount. All right. Let's just go. Is that crazy? Let's Maybe just that's go. Um, I don't think that's completely crazy. I mean, it kind of evens out if it's Zeke and Delvin. That's about even. Yeah. And if you're talking about Diggs and Cooper, it's about the same. They do have Gallup, who's pretty good. He's probably yeah. better than the second receiver. But, you know, Irv Smith, I think, is up for a big game here, potentially. Yeah. Um, all right, trenches. Just go pure trenches. Doesn't doesn't uh, have to be. I mean, it's offensive and defensive line for both teams. Um, man, in, in the trenches, I guess for me, because of what Minnesota does defensively, and because of how much Dallas has slipped from last year's defense, I'll go with Minnesota. So I mean, I think I think defensively, that's where they have to win this game. Um, that front seven has to be tough. So I, I will give Minnesota the edge there. Dallas had a bunch of injuries throughout the season on this offensive line. That's been a challenge, just keeping guys healthy. Uh, I'm not saying Minnesota's had a great offensive line, but I, I guess I would pick Dallas there. With Linval, I mean, Minnesota there, I'm sorry. Yeah, with Linval Joseph out, I'm going to go with Dallas. The fact that they added Michael Bennett, that could be a big problem for the Vikings. Yeah, Bennett had a great game, didn't he? Yeah, I think he had two sacks, he yeah. He did, and eventually... Bennett was, slipped my mind. Eventually give, his give pads Dallas. will come out of the shirt. Like, I don't yeah. know what he's doing there. That's, that's Give me Dallas. Strange. Okay. Then it slipped my mind. Fair enough. Um, all right. So just secondaries. Secondaries. Oh, man. I, I guess I'll go with Minnesota. They're just Dallas hasn't been good d- defensively. Minnesota's had, obviously, their their flaws as well. But I, I'll give Minnesota the edge. Sindale's not playing this week, right? I mean, no, he's, out. he's not. Yeah. Um, I'll give Minnesota a slight edge there. All right. So what is the final verdict then? Who are you picking for this football game? Uh, I'm going to pick the Dallas Cowboys in a, clo- a three-point win. Just be- I can't get over the fact that I think it'll be another close game. And then who do you pick? Is there any scenario in a close game where you pick Minnesota on the road no. against a good team? Not really, no. Um, so. Only if they start with the lead and continue to have the lead and then all the way through have the lead and their defense yeah. has to hold it at the end. Then I would say That's I it. would, which is actually how I think it will go. I mean, I think that the Vikings are a better overall team as you put them uh, with the advantage coaching, and I totally agree with that. And then a couple other areas as well. And uh, Dallas is the ultimate and haven't played anybody or haven't beaten anybody team even more so than the Vikings are. So I'm picking Vikings in a close game because of that. I think they'll be able to get ahead and that Dak won't be able to come back on them. Yeah, I think we should replay our conversation from last Friday because we said the same thing going into we did. Yeah, Kansas we City, did. a team we without Patrick did. Mahomes, and then what happened? You know, I just I keep saying the same thing. I have to see it. All right. I have to see how they perform under the bright lights. In a close game, can they find a way to make those big plays down the stretch? All right. Before we wrap up, we always do this each week. What is your favorite game to watch this week, aside from the Vikings in the NFL? Well, a couple good I mean, choices here. That's going to be a pretty good game. Uh, definitely 
Giants, to watch. Jets, is a good place to start. Yeah, Giants, Tampa Jets, Bay, I don't Arizona. Know, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Giants, <laughs> you know, Sam Darnold, Daniel Jones. I don't. You do you know, never one, know. One fumbles though, a lot. Right? One is. Like you never one know what's going to happen with those teams. Yeah, uh, Panthers, Packers is interesting, especially now that we know Cam is out, and, and we're, this is sort of the Kyle Allen era. Cam's never coming back to that team. I think Rams, Steelers. I mean, Mason Rudolph has a chance to put this team back in playoff contention. The Rams have a chance at five and three. I think that they're the quietest five and three yes. team we've seen in a long time yep. because the narrative suggests like they're four and six, like the Chargers. So getting a big win there, I think, would mean a lot. But man, take me to Monday, baby. Take me to mm-hmm. Seahawks going yep. to San Francisco. If they shut down Russell Wilson, man, it's over for me. That's my Super Bowl favorite. If they neutralize him. 49ers to the Super Bowl, Kyle Shanahan, coach of the year. Forget about it. So the Carolina-Green Bay game is interesting from a Vikings perspective that no matter who wins that game, it's good for the Vikings, right? Yes. I mean, of course you want to beat Green Bay and you want to win the division, so you root for Carolina. But if Carolina loses, they're going to be a team that's battling you for a wild card spot. If they drop to 5-4, and that makes their road tougher, and even if you lose as the Vikings, you're six and four. You're still up on them, and they have to win another game before they could get close to you. I am really interested in the Rams at Pittsburgh going from West Coast to East Coast, a team that went all in with Jalen Ramsey. They must have believed that they could run the table or something in that general area of winning a lot of games toward the end of the season and get into the playoffs because otherwise you don't go absolutely bat bleep crazy and trade two <laughs> first round picks for one player unless you could do it this year and then Monday night uh, the Seattle one will be interesting because I'm watching that team closely like that's a team that we've been hyping up as a big game for the Vikings to go out and play them. If they no-show against San Francisco, I'm not saying it'll be less of a big game, but I might believe less in them in terms of them holding on to their playoff spot or how long Russell Wilson can carry them. It was just last week that Jameis Winston went absolutely crazy and almost won that game for a bad Tampa Bay team at Seattle. Yeah. They just don't have that same sort of um, you know atmosphere that they used to. And I'll give you sort of the, the low-key, it's ugly, it's not a good game that you would ever like pay for an extra network to watch or something but could be your sort of upset would be cleveland beating buffalo two and six even oh man can beat buffalo i think yeah, i called I it last can. week you didn't give me any credit for you did, uh, but, chargers beating green bay yeah but cleveland can't beat anybody i think they Cle- can't they can't uh, beat penn think, state you're right you're right all right myron great stuff as always man thanks for being on all right brother mackie and judd with rami coming up next plenty of more football in your face Thanks for listening this week. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone. Venture X from Capital One is the travel card for people always asking, where next? You earn 10x miles on hotels and rental cars and 5x miles on flights booked through Capital One Travel and 2x miles on everything else you buy with Venture X. Plus, receive premium travel benefits like access to over 1,300 airport lounges. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details.